So you knew who I was from the start, huh? My real name, my record. I read your file, yeah. What if you hadn't? What's your point? I guess it's like they said over at Gate. We are captives of our own identities, living in prisons of our own creation. Hello and welcome to Narratively Speaking, the podcast that explores the power of story in all its forms, its role in society, and how it helps to shape the ideas we think we believe in. I'm your work in progress host, Harv, and I hope you're having a wonderful day despite the lockdowns and restrictions, wherever you might be listening to this. So it's been a while since I've done a podcast, but I came across a post on Facebook that so correctly summed up all that is wrong with these weird times that we're living through, that I just had to bring the author of the post onto the show. Keith Legion Snyder is a filmmaker with Iron Ark Films, a musician and, of course, a fellow podcaster. Iron Ark has been putting out some really cool short films over the last few years, and I believe you've even been collecting a few awards around the place uh, for them. So um, congratulations on those. Thank you. Yeah, it's been fun. Now, Keith and I met when we did a podcast together back when I was running Popcorn Lobotomy a little bit more actively. And I think it was about the woes of being on YouTube when lots of those uh, small channels were getting demonetized, including our own. And it's interesting to see how that problem's evolved over the time (laughs) since then, because it's got a lot worse. Um, And back then, Keith had what was called the Decoded Cast podcast. I don't know what's happened to that. We'll catch up with Keith on that um, and see where it's at. And I can't even remember if we were on that podcast or it was something that Sol did or something else, why we were having that conversation. It might've been YouTube on the rise, I can't remember. But it was a fun conversation and I always intended to do something with Keith again. So I guess you could say this was a conversation that's been three or four years in the making, which sounds really epic, doesn't it? So. Oh yeah, God, that's that's quite a like that's quite an intro, you know what I'm saying? I gotta live up to that now. That's uh, right. Yeah, four years of content all in 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 one one hour slot. So, <laughs> so welcome to narratively speaking, Keith. Tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, you know, no, I, I think you, you think you hit it on the head. I mean, you know, I mean, I I did YouTube for a really long time, uh, podcasting, everything like that. Really enjoyed it. You know, I think that there's a little bug, kind of like when they say there's a travel bug that hits you, and you know. My uh, my partner Jake with Iron Arc Films kind of grabbed me about two years back. Was like, "Hey, I need somebody to do audio," and from there, just turned into a producer role. And you know, I've been doing films ever since. So it's been a minute since I've done a podcast. So we're gonna see how this goes. <laughs> you seem like a bit of a natural even back then. So um, you've got a good voice for it, and 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 a good way of good rhythm of talking. So um, uh, I, I'm pretty sure it'll come back to you like riding a bike. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So um, what happened to the podcast? I, I'm pretty sure you haven't done it. And if you've done anything for the last few couple of years, I haven't seen it on my feeds. So there's something wrong with the algorithm there. But um, I assume <laughs> you've been taking a break or? 
Yeah, you know, I think uh, essentially I put a little bit more stock in in doing you know kind of my career, kind of the work I was doing, you know, like the day to day, and then doing films and just that kind of evolved on top of music, right, into something where doing an hour long podcast I could do it. But I just, I'll be honest, I got lazy with it. I mean, Jake kept beating me over the head to restart Decoded and and really get back into the grind of it because he enjoyed it um, just as I did and everybody else that was a part of it. But, you know, it just kind of became this, you know, life moved on sort of thing. But it's not something that I was just like, yeah, like I begrudgingly don't like this. Like I was just like, oh, man, I'm just I'm taxed in like nine different areas. Yeah. Yeah. I had a podcast, um, the 1240. It was back. Back then it was called the Hangover Cure podcast with my cousin. Mm-hmm. We had a similar thing where he just went, you know, I, I can't, I just can't do it anymore. And I was like, why? <laughs> what, what are we? It's like, li- it was literally me and him getting together on a Sunday morning and just having the same conversation that we would have had, had we not been recording to me right. anyway. And I just thought this, this isn't like, it's not hard. Like yours was actually very high production value. You had green screen stuff. I remember. Um, yeah. back in the day, it was actually looking really good. Um, uh, uh, last time I saw it and, um, yeah, there was a lot of work in that, but what we were doing was nothing. It was literally just sitting down, having a conversation over a coffee and then, and then putting it up. We didn't even edit it, but, um, <laughs> yeah, it's funny how things sort of get stale. The same things happen pretty much with narratively speaking, where I've sort of gone, just not sure what, where to take it, you know, what, what more there is to say about it. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's 40 episodes. It doesn't sound like a lot. I know most people podcast for longer than that, but that seems to be my sweet spot where I sort of start to go, yeah, I'm, I'm losing my motivation now. How many um, episodes of Decoded did you do? Oh, my God. When we started, we did, what, three a week. Uh, but we recorded it as like one big session. Uh, I would say between the five to six shows that we did, I think we had to sit somewhere around... 105 106 episodes had to be wow had to be impressive but well i mean granted like that was what we used to do right is i'd go and pick up all my friends and they'd stay at my place for the weekend and we'd record like three or four shows a weekend you do that for you know a year straight right you got like 200 episodes so i see yeah yeah super easy we used to do ours uh actually we broadcast it live we used to stream it live at uh, for, for some of them so it was literally just the conversation and that was it. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we just do an hour and, and we had to do it at the time we, we, you know, we would, we would record and then we would release within an hour of recording. So there was no time to do anything that was before. Yeah. I didn't even know what a podcast was. You know, I mean, the only experience I'd ever had with podcasts was with you and mm-hmm. uh, I'd never listened to one. I, I think I did 15 episodes of the 1240 podcast before I'd even heard one. <laughs> which um and then i thought i better listen to what these are supposed to be because you know it's possible how's of shit and it turned out it was yeah it was pretty shit in comparison to <laughs> there's a lot of people put a lot of work into their podcasts and i felt a little embarrassed by how little work we were putting in but uh yeah it was all good fun anyway yeah so let's get to the post um okay and and we'll uh we'll use that as a spring springboard for the the rest of the conversation and um, as I say to you, uh, feel free to take it wherever you like, wherever you're comfortable mm-hmm. with. There is there are no taboos on narratively speaking. Whatever springs to mind is going to be fine. Okay. I've got to find the post now, don't I? Yeah, I've got it right here. Would you prefer to read it out? I'm happy for you to read it. If you'll probably be better, it's, if it's in your voice. 
Sure, sure. We'll see if I can uh, get the timbre that I was thinking. All right. Um, it's uh, it's there will be kind of a climactic and kind of an anticlimactic story behind this, but uh, we'll we'll save that for after I've read it. Okay. okay. So, um, basically, so here we go. <clears throat> Shame, a modern day weapon of control. We started small by making others feel ostracized for their political or moral leanings. As 2020 approached, we sought to further weaponize this shame tactic in the same manner the military dehumanizes whatever their so-called enemy is. If you cannot see the slow boil that is dividing us as a population, then I envy you. The curse of a brain wrought with historical knowledge will not let me blindly ignore the red flags in front of me. That is not to state that it has left me defeated or in a state of depression. Quite the opposite. It has me embroiled in a mindset that if we only seek to be more aware and stand with compassion slash grace, that together we can be stronger than any generation before us. Hashtag power to the people, <laughs> yep. which yep. is uh, which is very true. Now, it's it's a quite an emotive um, post, and, and mm-hmm. I think it's down to interpretation. So I'm not necessarily like my interpretation of it may not be exactly what you intended. Um, mm-hmm. But the way I read that. I mean, first of all, you're saying shame is is a weapon used to control people, and you're talking about, I would assume, how uh, I, what I've been calling quarantine shaming has been used to kind of by all of us to keep each other in check, which is kind of a weird thing to me. Is that is that accurate for, for the first part of it at least? So, um, in a in a macro sense, yes. Uh, that's where I said it's kind of anticlimactic and kind of not. In a macro sense, yes, quarantine shaming I think has become very prevalent. But there was a catalyst that actually kind of inspired it. That was uh, kind of hilariously enough. Well, give us the story behind it. That'll be interesting. Uh, without getting into too much details, uh, I had somebody in my life. Uh, you know, we 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 hung out a lot. We kind of talked, and they kind of let me into their world and. They had been raised in a household that basically taught them nothing but shame and to be ashamed of who they were. And like I was sitting there talking to this person and, you know, she was very open and very honest about it. And I could see these idiosyncrasies that cropped up because of it. And, and again, very open, very honest an open book. And it was just like, wow, like if you leave shame unchecked, right? Like, I mean, she's a brilliant person. I, I think the world of her. Um, but it can cause these deep-seated problems, right, that will take someone years upon years to have to solve. And then I, I, I kind of took a step back and saw all the stuff on my feed, all the vitriol. And I was like, yo, it, it may not be too late. We, it, like, I feel like it might be, but it may not. <laughs> we, might, we might be at like a final rest stop before it is too late. But if you continue to do this, I just I saw it on this macro level, kind of what happened with her. And it just kind of made me be like, hey, I, I got I to gotta say something, you know? Okay. Well, that's interesting because I did take it in the broader sense as well. And mm-hmm. for me, it brings up issues. And I, I'm not sure. I think, are you religious? Because I don't want to offend anybody, but um, I'm a fairly non-religious person. Mm-hmm. But I think you had a religious upbringing, didn't you? No, actually, really enough. Uh, my mom is super spiritual, uh, but she was more of a... Uh, she would learn about other religions, if that made sense. Then she'd bring it to me and then she'd be like, you decide, you know, it, let's, we're not going to shove anything down your throat. And so I got Hindu, I got Buddhist teachings, I got Christianity, I got Catholicism. Um, and so I wouldn't subscribe myself again, hashtag I'm a millennial, wouldn't subscribe myself to any specific religion, uh, mostly because I think dogmatic beliefs, unfortunately, even if it's 5% of dogmatic beliefs, 
um, have left a very bitter taste in the majority of people's mouths. And the dogmatism, while I understand why it's there, it can lead to corruption, which then leads to anything those people following as corruption, right? So I'd rather just be open-minded and spiritual. Yes. Well, spirituality isn't religion. Religion's the sort of organized right. version where uh, the message of how to be spiritual is centralized and fed out to the masses as a broadcast, yep. as opposed to being a personal thing, which uh, you know I've got no issue with. I, th I think of myself as a spiritual person as well, but very much material spiritualism, which is, I know, uh, in conflict, but it makes sense in my head somehow. So <laughs> no, that's okay. Your post reminded me a lot of uh, Catholicism because Catholicism to me is a religion that's based very much around shame and shame of sexuality uh, uh, in particular. Um, and it's almost like that shame is generated to try to get the masses to behave in a way that, I don't know, it doesn't increase the population too much or does increase the population. I'm not even sure particularly like what people who you know originally founded these religions were thinking and what the times were like. But um, it seems like it's a message that, first of all, doesn't make a lot of sense because uh, feeling shame for sexuality is a guaranteed way to feel shame your whole life forever. Like there's just no way yeah. around it. Even if you suppress it and and behave well, which I think, you know, that's how most of us live. Um, you'll still have feelings that you'll need to feel ashamed of or thoughts that you need to feel ashamed of. So it's, it's almost a trap of uh, shame. And uh, you know, the relationship between that and control is an interesting one. And that's what I read into your post, not just that, but that as being one example. Mm -hmm. But you talk about dividing as a population. You'd be talking about the U.S. population there, and maybe a bit about the left-right paradigm and so on. You know, you've got two two realities over there, and neither of them can be a hundred percent correct, surely, because they're such different philosophies. Yeah, and I, I think I think realities is is a term. Um, I would I would more so say we have two political ideologies, because wh what you'll see with what you'll see with people on the right or the left. Um, more and more so every day is this regurgitation of the same seven facts, the facts that they believe, of course, um, or the same seven science statistics or the same whatever. Right. And it's 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 this kind of trap that you get yourself in. I, I myself am very big on purposely adding people that are outside of my echo chamber. Yes. And the reason the, being the old is bubble. Yeah. Yeah. If I have everybody that agrees with me, then how can I strengthen my own argument? And you know, the people in my own age demographic, they, they don't. And I've seen posts like this, like I'll play devil's advocate. And they're like, well, devil's advocate is really just passive aggressive. Like, well, no, it's not. <laughs> it's, hey, I don't actually believe this. Just so we're aware, don't attack me. I don't believe this. Right. But like if we had to strengthen our own argument by be gi being given this information, what would we do? And they're like, that game's no fun. Oh, no, it's hard. <laughs> right? but, I, uh, but I respect you for doing it because most don't. Most people sit in their echo chamber and they preach to the choir and they get constant reinforcement of their views and uh, they block anyone who, who doesn't agree or who, who causes trouble in their, in their conversation. So, you know, I mean, kudos to you for doing that. Well, and what you see is you see this, I mean, you look at it from social media, right? And, and not to get too in the weeds, but 
when you believe a certain thing because a mass populace believes in your ideology, when you share it, you get likes. And what are likes doing? They're giving you dopamine. And mm. so you're like, oh, I feel super great about doing this. And this is where virtue signaling comes in very big, right? Is let me virtue signal really quickly because I know I'll get the likes. And it's like, well, it doesn't look like you believed what you were saying. It looks like you saw an opportunity to like stroke your own ego. Um, and that's where it gets dangerous. That's truly where I believe those ideologies and being stuck in them becomes a problem. Well, that's right. And it's, it's also being uh, part of a group, um, being a, having a self-identity. I'm part of this team and you're part of that team. And that's how we identify. And um, from what I understand, and as I say, I'm on a spiritual journey. I'm, you know, I'm not even at the halfway point at all, you know, like in comparison with the uh, you know, uh, some gurus or whatever out there, but it occurs to me that um, the more you go down that spiritual path, the less you want to create your identity around manufactured views or associations like that. It's it's interesting because I I'm actually quite paranoid now about virtue signaling. I I wonder, and in fact, the first episode of narratively speaking, I think I talked about this. I wonder if being against virtue signaling is just another form of virtue signaling. So when I say, oh, I've got this alternative view, am I just, you know, showing my plumage to the, to the opposite sex to say, I'm a little bit more advanced than the, the you know, the, the regular virtue signalers. <laughs> and you really can tie yourself in nuts with that because I think in some sense, everything we do is, you know, it's affected by our self-image and how we want to project that to other people. And social media magnifies that a million percent. It's amazing. Everyone's posting things that represent what they want other people to think of them, but not necessarily anything that's got anything to do with the truth. Yeah. And I, I'm actually glad that you kind of brought that up. Um, so, you know, a few friends that I've talked to after, you know, quarantine and, you know, they were like, you know, how was quarantine for you? Like, what did you do? I was like, honestly, like it completely reset me. Like I, I, I realized before quarantine and even before I started working at the new job that I was working at, um, I had been kind of controlled. And what I mean by that is, is, is you're being led through these different schisms or different avenues uh, based upon the information that gets you emotionally. Um, you know, millennials, the big thing that everybody said was, you know, advertise to them emotionally. So when you do that, you wrap yourself up into it. And until you literally have a hard reset, which for me was 90 days in my house working, where I was like, you know what, it's time to take stock of like who I am. You know what I'm saying? Like, what do I actually contribute? And what are what is factual about my abilities? Not something I've personified because of social media. And that hard check in the mirror really kind of allowed me to post the things that I've been posting. Like, that's not the first time I posted something like that, as I'm sure you've seen. No, and it, it's this thing of like, hey, you have to understand it's not A or B, right? Like, like sometimes it, it, there's a middle ground that you can find there. And even if it's the littlest middle ground, right, that's at least something that can bring us closer together as opposed to further apart, which the best way to control people is to have everyone think that everyone is different in a way of, um, bad or good, if that makes sense, right? Everyone's opposed to each other. Yeah, it's highlighting differences instead of the sameness. And, uh, it, you know, it's it's so it's such an obvious and trite uh, observation that's been made through, you know, all our history that we're all one and, and love is all that matters. And 
all all that kind of stuff. But it it is actually the ultimate you know truth once you sort of really start going through the process of thinking through and trying to prioritize truth over identity. You know, that's where you end up. That's why all these artists, you know, uh, John Lennon or whatever, that's why they were singing about this stuff or putting out that message because that's where they got to. Well, and to your point, that's why you see, uh, and, and I love this term. It was it was coined probably, what, 2017, I think. Uh, granted, it's been around longer than that. It was the first time it was introduced to me. That's where you see this horseshoe effect, right? Um, and it's, I feel like I'm saying that right. Um, but basically what it is, is like the left in America, for example, is like, Everything is love. Everyone deserves love. Everyone deserves to be cared for. Everything, this, and this, and this. And then they turn around and go, well, of course you deserve free health care. Well, what happens when free health care means that someone else decides if you live or die? But it's free and you deserve it. Wait, no, hold on. But you said everyone deserves life. I don't understand. We're, we're, <laughs> we're, we're circling back around to the other part. I don't get it. And you see it on both sides, right? Not to just attack the left. But in America, we see our politics do this and especially during quarantine you've seen it right where it's like yeah i'll stay inside and then you're like well hey i, I gotta go make money man I, I got a family to support and then people are like how dare you put others at risk yeah what what you hate what? grandma <laughs> <laughs> well and, and that's you know and not not again to get too much in the weeds but you know one thing that i have an issue with is this idea that it's immoral or improper for someone who wants to run their business, something that they are voluntarily doing and being told it's shut down, like that's not okay for them to protest. But when we have the current, I mean, as you've seen with race relations in America, like it's 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 getting better, hopefully. But like when tens of thousands of people come together, which I'm okay with, you have a right to peacefully protest. But when you say this type of protest is wrong, but this type of protest isn't, and there's many more people at the other one that you're okay with, right? You're, you're going to spread disease. I, I, if you're less than six feet apart, as you've said by your own logic, and some of you are wearing bandanas, some of you are wearing like PPE masks, some of you aren't, that's going to happen. You can't sit here and say that scientifically no one is doing it. You know what I'm saying? And that's, yeah. as I said, it's this horseshoe and this craziness that I'm seeing right now. It is craziness because it seems that the media has made an exception for the protests. So they're like, well, we can't interfere with free speech by enforcing social distancing or masks or whatever. And yet, um, yeah, but we can shut down Facebook groups and YouTube channels left, right, and center uh, seemingly on a whim on possibly a political ideology. And it, it looks like some of that's going to be coming out very soon about um, Facebook in particular and their political leanings. Um, Zuckerberg's back in Congress, I believe, defending himself again. So um, that'll be interesting as it comes out. But all of these contradictions, I wonder how it's easy. There's two ways to look at the world, right? You look at the world and say, wow, it's it's complex. It's crazy. Everything's pretty much random and nothing makes any sense, right? Or you can look at the world and say, no, the world is guided by intelligent uh, human beings who, who um, make decisions and choices that affect what reality becomes, right? You know, where things go. And the fact that if it doesn't make sense, the narrative that you're being given by the media and, and your experience and everything combined, then it's either intelligently designed that way by people or everybody's incompetent. Then <laughs> that's why it doesn't make sense, right? So I, I look inside my own head and I say, well, 
I'm going to go with the assumption that most people are relatively similar to me, that I'm not exceptional and I'm not, you know, shithouse. I'm somewhere in the middle. And I always have been like academically and, and you know, uh, when I take the left-right brain test, I get middle, you know. So, I mean, I'm, I'm just like a, a just Mr. Average guy. So I figure if I use my own internal observations as a template for everybody else and what they're going through and how they feel about things, then I have to assume that people aren't stupid because I have way more complex thoughts than I can give voice to, right? Everybody does, I think. So if, and, and the skill of articulating things is a difficult one uh, at different levels for different people, depending on their backgrounds and education and so on. So if you've got a lot of people who are having complex thoughts that they can't articulate or can't recognize on, on the right level, then you've got to assume that the world is operating in an intelligent way, which makes it very difficult to deal with an inconsistent narrative where, you know, you've got politicians standing up and saying, uh, actually, you know, don't, don't buy masks, don't buy masks. And then the next week they're saying masks are mandatory and you go, well, okay. So that clearly doesn't make any sense. Like last week they weren't good this week. They are good. What's happening. There has to be some intelligent reason behind it. So what, what, give me your uh, reflections on the, the quarantines, the lockdowns, COVID crisis to date, you know, um, from the perspective of, do you think we're being told, you know, a straight narrative that's, that's based around truth, or do you think there's some manipulation going on or something weird? Well, and I'm, I'm glad you asked. So for those not in the know, uh, I am in Michigan, uh, and we have had a very heavy lockdown, just like New York did. Um, I'm in Victoria. We've got one of the heaviest lockdowns. Um, we're, we're apparently going to stage four on Wednesday. It's not a competition. I'm just saying. It sounds like we've got a similar situation going on. Well, I, I do want to hear. I do want to hear how how things are in Australia. Um, I, like legitimately, uh, mostly because you know I, I have a lot of people in my life. Like, well, look at the rest of the world, and I'm like, awesome. Do you know the difference between America and the majority of the rest of the world? They're like, what? Like, we we have a lot of power. We just don't use it. Um, and it seems now and more and more every day we're like, hey, <laughs> what's freedom? I'm like, no, you like if you if you give it away, you don't get it back. You know, I, a lot of times what I will tell people very flat out is when they go, well, you know, the protests uh, were fine. And I go, exactly. Could you imagine a world where the media said, hey, guys, I know Black Lives Matter, but uh, y'all just caused 100,000 more cases. There would be riots. I'm not talking peaceful protests. There'd be how dare you, after telling us we'd be OK, blame us. I was like, let's let's be honest here. They're playing to the crowd. OK, like and, and again, again, I'm not I, I state things like they're facts. Um, and again, that's just one way to look at it. Right. And that's one way I say, like, look at it that critically way and see if maybe you're being played. And so I say that to say very bluntly and very in America, at least. No, you're being lied to at one point. And here's here's a perfect example, because you mentioned it. Fauci came out very specifically in an interview and said, um, yeah, so we said don't buy masks because there's a lot of people that need them and the hospitals were actually uh, under <laughs> limited. And so if we told everybody to go out and buy masks, uh, we would have had a lot more deaths. It's like, well, hold on. Hold hold the phone. You, you're saying now they're mandatory. So they should have always been mandatory, right? Well, yeah, but like 
the risk was worth it. What? Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm confused. Tell me like I'm stupid. So you're, you're <laughs> like saying, I'm a six year old. Yeah, like two weeks ago when you were like, everybody stay at home. Like, hey, everyone's staying at home. No, people were walking around outside. People were trying to like still live some semblance of life and go see people. Like I, I know that happened with the majority of my friends, and they needed masks at that moment, and you said they didn't, and you know. I appreciate the fact that you're willing to come out and be like, hey, I got to eat some crow. Yeah, we lied. But everyone likes to forget that. And everyone likes to forget that while this is not the first pandemic we've ever gone through, this is the first pandemic in my lifetime. This is the first pandemic in like a lot of the people that I know is lifetime. And so, you know, to watch it stage by stage and not question it is a problem. Well, it's also worth noting that the previous major pandemics in our history had very visual associations where you could tell who was sick and who wasn't. And so like, you know, the people's heads would be exploding with pus or something. There was always something that, you know, because I guess we didn't have the science to detect diseases as well back when those other pandemics occurred that, um, you know, it was only the really visual ones that got the attention. And, you know, this is, this is one of the things that puzzles me about this particular one. I wonder, and I think I said this to you when we were discussing you coming on, I wonder if the media hadn't said anything, if anyone would have noticed that there was a pandemic. So if the media hadn't said anything and the government hadn't locked anything down and no one had done anything, would we have just gone, wow, that was a wild flu season? You know, And I'm not that guy that says, this is just the flu. I realize it has different characteristics and I'm not equivocating the two, but I'm saying we have a flu season every year. And uh, we have different strains of the flu uh, that have different levels of lethality or sickness or whatever. And um, I don't know if we would have really noticed uh, that that we had a, you know, we would have known we had a bad one, but without the name COVID nineteen, you know, without the the identity of the virus as as this sort of villain in the media, would we have seen it the same way? And I really don't think we would have at all. So um, the hard the hard part for me. Right. Um, and when I see. When I see other people freaking out about covid um, and something I haven't really told a lot of people is like I've lived a life and like, unfortunately, I've had some things happen that like you can't like some things that are fortunate, some things that aren't. Right. And so in 2011, I was bedridden for three weeks um, and it was either avian at the time or it was Ebola. Oh, and okay. I almost died. Wow. Like, straight Ebola? up almost died. Then you it, it was, it was whatever. It was whatever stuff the, for Ebola. No, it was whatever the whatever the really bad flu was because I went okay. like I went in and I was like, hey, what do I have there? Like, well, you don't have the flu. And I was like, I, I have literal pus coming out of my eyes. I, I am exhausted. I can't like move like I, 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 I don't know what's wrong with me. They're like, well, you know, just just take some antibiotics. And I was like, if it's OK. And so eventually I like had to be off of work for two or three weeks. My girlfriend was scared to death at the time. And like the guy I had lived with was like i literally thought you were gonna die and i was like i just slept a lot right and so like whatever the big flu was and not the actual flu but like whatever you know strain that was out there um they eventually were like yeah like you had like whatever the fuck it was and i was like oh that's great so you just weren't testing for it and they're like no we didn't know to and i was like cool <laughs> right like i had this like off-brand flu that could kill people and like you just didn't tell me and like i couldn't help anybody or like if anybody was near me right because i had people coming over and they could have got it and so um, I, I bring this up to say no one freaked out in the media, right? Like nobody was freaking out in 2011, 
right? Nobody was. I don't even remember which flu it was. Like, I know we had swine flu and bird flu and there was avian flu. Is that the same as bird flu? Avian means bird. I don't even know, right? So Yeah, it was... yeah, it was either swine or avian is the one that it was. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, Bill is where you bleed for your eyes, and I wasn't bleeding for my eyes, thank God. Um, no, if, I think Ebola is pretty lethal, so hopefully you didn't yeah. have that. Or if you did, Man. you're probably the toughest person I know. Oh, shit. Right? <laughs> like, oh, my God. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, so, like, like that was the thing is, like, nobody cared. Um, and no, nobody was freaking out about it. Well, that's that's why I bring up the the power of the name, right? Now, they're not naming them uh, with with animals in the name, right? Like when you call something swine flu, people go, oh, does that affect pigs only? Or like in your head, and this is the power of story, right? In your head, uh, calling something swine flu just goes, oh, well, that's, that's pigs. That doesn't affect me. because And it's just a name. It's, it's, I didn't know anything about swine flu. I never have. I don't now, right? <laughs> I didn't at the time. Um, all I knew is they called it swine flu, and it just triggered a thing, uh, some kind of uh, primal thing in my head that said, you don't have to worry about that. And I didn't, and I never worried about it. And the media was going on about it quite a lot at the time. There was there was quite a lot of stuff. But, you know, the mad cow disease was years before that. And there was all these things, but they always named them after animals. Now they gave it like this code name, COVID-19, coronavirus. Corona, well, corona isn't an animal. Uh, actually, I guess Corona could be an animal. I don't even know, but it means crown, right? It's to do with royalty or something. So I don't know why they call it that, but um, it sounded more lethal just from the name. And it seems like to me that uh, is part of what perpetuated it into this sort of panic state that we're in. Well, and that's, I mean, it, it's that, and it's also uh, perfect timing. I mean, you know, mm. um, you know, the US back in 2016 i remember waking uh, i sorry i remember getting shit faced i don't know if you can swear here but i remember doing that you can swear and, uh, we prefer it okay cool so yeah, i got shit faced off bourbon that night because i was like i'm gonna watch the election see who won and like just just so we can get it out of the way i didn't vote in 2016 um but here's the thing i was one of those people that was like hey listen i'm gonna be real uh nobody really has my vote and i'm not voting for who's better than who's worse you know what i'm saying and I remember at the time, everybody was like, how dare you? How dare you? And then I show up to work and I was like, hey, do we all vote? And everybody was like, I forgot. What? Like, I purposely chose not to count my vote. Like, what's wrong with you? You were the one, you know, up my ass. But anyway, I, I, I say that to say, like, the next day, well, I had a buddy come up to me and he goes, yeah, man, I'm, I'm really upset about the uh, election results. He's like, I don't, I, don't, I don't know why I am as a white man, because, like, it'll be good for me. But, like, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. How are you feeling shame literally the day after a political like I get it like your 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 person didn't win and like that sucks but it was like this defeat in 2016 that I don't it I don't want to insult my own generation but it's almost like you didn't get a cookie and cuz you didn't get a cookie you lost your complete shit and had a temper tantrum for 4 years and so that'll definitely get clipped and get out of context and I'm okay with that uh, mostly because I'm saying that right now. Uh, you're right, though. Yeah, it's, as someone who wasn't involved uh, and and watching some of the media coverage and stuff, you know, I mean, we get our American news through YouTube and stuff, so it's all cherry picked and it's all got an agenda behind it. But um, a lot of the people crying in the streets and stuff, I was like, I just, I mean, yeah, look, you, you know, you ended up with a, a president who um, isn't the best figurehead for the country, right? Like as a as an aesthetic, (laughs) 
I, I get that. And, and uh, you know, I, I know um, America likes to have morally pure leaders, but have you ever really had that? I mean, not that, but you had, you had Nixon, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, you've got a, hit, a history where they, they haven't all been pristine. Let's put it that way, right? So um, I don't, I just didn't know what all the fuss was about. Like, you know, I, I, I wouldn't, you know, I mean, Trump, I'm no fan, but I, he's just a guy, you know, at the end of the day. I, I don't really see the, the US president as this sort of powerful figure because I think the power comes from other places nowadays, you know, like the president can do certain things, but really the power is in the hands of the corporations and the lobbyists and uh, all sorts of other interests. There's a lot of oxymorons in America right now. And what I mean by that very specifically is um, you want to give government more power um, because it'll make you safer. And that's the complete opposite um, of the case, in my opinion. And a lot of that comes down to just the generation I was raised in, you know, I mean, call a spade a spade. You know, we, we had the government step in and pay for college. That's awesome. Oh God, college is so expensive. And guess what? All I'm getting is indoctrinated. I'm not getting an education. I'm getting told what to think and how to think. People aren't hiring college graduates anymore. They're literally saying, I, I can't hire this person because when I hired them, they look at me and go, so what do you want me to do is like the financial analyst? Why don't you analyze finances? I don't know how to do that. I just <laughs> a finance major um what and and so i see that and then i see you know uh the patriot act for example and you know now more than ever you have people who are like well if you're not doing anything wrong then you have nothing to worry about no fuck that your government was supposed to shut the fuck up and let you live yeah and then when you needed something they they helped you right and granted, if your government needed you, war, et cetera, like you, you kind of had to, you, you had this moral uh, responsibility for it. But nowadays it's like, well, government should pay for my college. Listen, I, I fucking know, man. Right. I mean, the last time we gave them access to our college, it definitely went well. Yeah. And they should pay for the whole thing. It, it's a tricky one because, you know, the, the whole free college thing, um, we've had that in Australia for a while. Like, you know, I, I think I was one of the first generations that had we had to pay a loan back but it was only 20 percent of the cost of university so uh we'd pay back you know our fees would be like 20 grand per semester or whatever they are from the university the government would pay 80 percent of it and we don't really have any problems our universities are quite good and you know i, I still see it as indoctrination but i'm a conspiracy theorist i see everything as indoctrination so, <laughs> um they, you know they taught some useful things and you know i had some some good lecturers some bad ones you know some that cared some that didn't it's pretty normal, I think, as a, as an educational experience. And, you know, we've got free healthcare here. We can walk into a hospital and get treated and walk out and we don't even need to show ID or anything like that. So, uh, which I found out the other day because my, a few <laughs> weeks ago, because my cousin broke his arm and we had to go to hospital. So it, it's good. It's a good goal, right? It's like, I think people don't, they don't seem to separate uh, a utopic idea of what we would like to be, the ideal of what we would like to be as opposed to what's practical, right? So uh, politically speaking, I would call myself an anarchist, which would be, I don't think we should have government at all, right? Zero government. Now, I realize that's an extreme case and it's got associations of people throwing Molotov cocktails at tanks and things like that, right? But, but anarchy is just volunteerism, really. It's just saying every interaction should be voluntary and everything should be as 
free market and natural within the, the constraints of nature and available resources and so on as possible. And you only resort to government when those systems break down. Now, the planet's been going pretty well for a few million years, and as far as I can tell. And it seems like the natural order works relatively well. And all we're doing as humans is trying to break out of the natural order to uh, obtain dominance as a species. And the more we do that, the more resistance we get. And it, it shouldn't be surprising that we're getting that because the planet says, you know, uh, I'm going to control populations by limiting space and resources and water and so on, right? And we go, no, screw that. We're going to store all that stuff up and we're going to make that and we're going to synthesize this and we're going to keep ourselves healthy by using pharmaceuticals and we're going to do all these other things. And, uh, and nature just goes, all right, well, you're welcome to try, <laughs> you know? And we get a lot of resistance, of course, because we're breaking out of the, the sort of the natural order. So when I say politically I'm an anarchist, I don't mean shut down government tomorrow. My God, what a disaster that would be. Um, I just mean as an ideal, wouldn't it be nice if we could govern ourselves and live within you know, natural law? Well, and, and one thing I actually find funny about, uh, you know, American politics and, and so I, I used to be a moderator for a Facebook group that was all every like volunteerism, anarchism, you know, right, conservative, left, libertarian, like I would moderate these comments. So I would see all the different thoughts and all the different, you know, uh, availabilities of where people were. But the hilarious part that I find is like, like you said, you can't just shut down the government tomorrow. And so what happened in 2016? Every conservative was like, well, Donald Trump's going to walk in. He's going to he's going to throw that Molotov cocktail that blows this thing up and then rebuilds it. And now I hear from the left four years later, well, we need Biden because he might be sleepy grandpa, but he's going to throw a Molotov cocktail somewhere. I don't know where it's going to go because he's a sleepy grandpa. He might throw it in the goddamn garden. I don't know, but he's going to throw it. It's going to blow up the government. We're going to restart. I'm like, why? Why is it always blow everything the fuck up <laughs> with yeah. us? What? Like, I get it. America, guns, explosives, like, that's cool and shit. But, like, every time it's like, it doesn't work after four years. Let's reboot it. It's not, it's not the fucking Marvel Universe, okay? Like, you, you gotta, like, stick that shit out and be willing to go through and wade through the bad times to find the good ones. But right now, I mean, especially as we talked about with, with, with COVID and everything, especially here, no one wants to wade anything out. Everyone wants a quick fix. They're like, I just want normal. And it's like, normal's not going to come anytime soon. And so unless we all accept losses, you know, uh, if you accept like that, it is what it is and I'll wear a mask. And if you don't, then if you die, you die. Like, unless you get that grim with it, we have no normal for a little bit of time. No, I mean, and Sweden took that approach and. Um, I've seen a lot of news stories recently saying, oh, Sweden really regret what they did and whatever. But then I look up sort of YouTube interviews with people on the streets and they were, they're, they're all like, yeah, yeah, we had like, I think it's like 5,000 people died or something uh, in that order. I might have the numbers wrong, but um, I shouldn't be flipping about it, but you know, <laughs> um, but they, you know, it's more, more than most countries uh, in, in that period of time. But most of them are just saying, yeah, but we won't have the problems associated with locking down the economy for months. And that's the way I look at things as well. So, you know, if, if you're a medical professional and you say, right, there is a pandemic, we need to solve this, and then you focus on that goal, then everything that's happened up until now kind of makes a little bit of sense. 
But the problem is that those medical professionals and the politicians and so on don't seem to have factored in the cost of the actions that they're taking, right? So they're saying, and this makes sense in politics, I suppose, because it's all about what you're doing now and how it's perceived as opposed to whether it works or not or whether it's actually addressing a problem. But it seems like to me, if you factored in the cost of the economic lockdown, you wouldn't be able to do it, no matter what, no matter how many people are dying. It could be the Black Plague. You know, it, it wouldn't matter. You just can't lock down the economy. And I don't see it opening back up. I don't think it's it's ever going to be normal again, right? Because um, I think what we're going to end up with is a consolidation of of all of the corporate power in the world and a death of small business, right? Because they're more susceptible to the lockdown. You know, this, you know, your cafes and things are the things that are going to die. Not so. So when we go to get a coffee after this lockdown, we'll probably only be going to be able to go to McDonald's, and that's if McDonald's survives. God, I don't even know, right? But if you factor that in, and it's not about you know the quality of coffee, although you know I do like my coffee, but it's about um, what are you actually sacrificing? You know, and you came up with the example before, um, giving up. Um, you know, increasing the size of government, giving up freedoms to get security. This seems like the worst example of that I've ever seen, like, and, and in such a short period of time. Do you see it that way too? I mean, I, I don't know. I talked to uh, someone during quarantine. Uh, she was pretty awesome, you know, and we kind of like bonded over, you know, she worked for a very small hospital and the hospital was getting censored because they were giving advice for how to help your immune system during COVID. But it, because it said during COVID, they were the F, like the FBI or whoever, whoever the hell it was, it was like probably the CDC, were like, hey, real quick, you can't be giving out advice. We give out advice on that shit. And so she started getting upset about that. And we kind of talked about small businesses and like, you know, people don't think about that in America. You know, they're like, well, the corporation should fail. Oh, OK, cool. That's a lot of people unemployed. But like, again, I'm very much like, yeah, survival of the fittest. Like, if you can't survive, you can't survive. Here's the difference. When mom and pop were in Lansing and they had guns not to use against, but to reinforce their First Amendment right. Some people forget the Second Amendment in America to bear arms reinforces your First Amendment right to peacefully protest. Um. They were like, oh, my goodness, Karen wants to get a haircut. No, Karen wants to open her fucking salon because she worked nine to ten goddamn years at some big ass salon somewhere. Maybe it was bikini cuts. I don't goddamn know. But she worked there, like saved a shit ton and finally opened her own salon. And she was so goddamn proud of it because she was her own small business owner. And now you're like, well, obviously you could survive the pandemic. We're all getting six hundred extra dollars a week. It's great. Yeah, but for how fucking long? And also, she has a family she's got to care for. Also, she may not get unemployment. You don't know that, right? And even if she gets unemployment, she's probably making less than she was making at her small business, and she still has to pay rent for it. And so I, I see this inability, and it's very strange. I see this ability from a lot of people that I know to be like, well, it's compassionate. You know, you don't want to go out and kill grandma. Like, well, no one's trying to kill grandma. That's weird if you are. I, you know, I just, we got to wear masks. We got to be socially distanced. We got to be doing these things. And then they go, well, shame on you, small business owner, because you want to survive. How fucking dare you? And it's like, I'm so confused how you can have so much compassion for these people and even hypothetical people, right? 
but this person literally right in front of you that's like, I need this to survive. You're like, fuck them kids. Like what? <laughs> and 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 the the narrative is, well, you're prioritizing money over lives. Oh, 100%. That is not, money is life. The economy is life. If you shut down the economy, people die. And, and in yeah. numbers that we don't understand, it's never been done, right? I don't think it's ever been done. It's not been done in my lifetime, right? So to this extent, right. shutting down the economy is a complete unknown. So what, what's happened is we've chosen the unknown consequences of shutting down the economy. And I say unknown a little facetiously because there are plenty of people out there who know exactly what the consequences are going to be within a certain degree of um, certainty. You know, I, I'm not going to say I'm one of them. I'm no economist, but I can see certain things that will happen, you know, just, just from cause and effect and logic. So, you know, it's um, it, the narrative that you're choosing money over lives is complete nonsense. And when people say it to you, you can't refute it. You, you don't sort of have the right of refusal. And it goes back to this using shame as a tactic idea. You'll just be told that you're a, you know, a heartless robot or something, and you're just going on numbers. Actually, what's wrong with going on numbers? That's exactly how decisions should be made. Data and statistics and numbers. And uh, you know, <laughs> how else do you decide? You want to minimize the number of deaths overall, right? Not just deaths from COVID. Yeah. No, and that's that's the that's the issue. Um, mm -hmm. and that's that's a big thing that I see right now is, you know, it's it's always show me the numbers that represent my idea. Don't show me any numbers that contradict it. Um, and so especially here in America, like it's like, you know, what is it? Every one percent, like five, one percent, uh, one, I think it's one to three percent increase for unemployment is like five thousand suicides. Yeah, that's right. And, the suicide rates just skyrocketed. Well, and so. I have like from a logical perspective, I have a lot of issues, right? I saw somebody the other day that was like, yeah, look at our unemployment. It's super bad because of Trump. And I'm like, listen, bro, I'm not in his corner, but he didn't fucking do this. Mm. Like, I'm sorry. I, I'm in a democratic goddamn state. And you know what I was told? Hey, uh, can you just, can you voluntarily go to your home for 14 days? I was like, oh yeah, of course, man. Like, hey, slow the spread. That's awesome. Mm. Three months later, I was told I could leave my house again. I did not fucking consent to that. No, that's right. It, the, the story kept changing. You, you would be amazed what's, what we've been put through here. And, and when I say we, not, not me, you know, like mm -hmm. I'm in a great situation. I, I had quit my job before the lockdown happened. Literally, I gave 30 days notice. And then 32 days after that, the lockdown happened. So you couldn't time it worse or better, however, whatever your perspective may be, right? But this, the government here just said, look, if you need unemployment, we're just fast tracking everything. You don't need to prove anything. You just need to say you're unemployed, click a button on the website, and you get the unemployment. And you have to take some responsibility for the actions you take. When they said lockdown, I said, this is unnecessary. I don't believe in this, but I'll do it because the government's saying it and they do it at the point of a gun. So of course I'll have to do it. Oh, the, you know, the, I'll have police on my ass. So uh, to me, it's a payment. It's a, it's a, you know, it's, it's a salary that they pay you so that it makes it easy for you to stay home. Now we're getting more and more lockdowns and it's accelerated to the point I've seen things in Australia that I thought would never happen here. Right. Like um, a couple of weeks ago, they, you know, we have these, you know, government um, public housing buildings 
the government came in and they surrounded them with police and shut everyone in. And the only country that I've heard doing anything like it was when they were talking about China welding the doors of some of the uh, apartment buildings where the, the outbreaks were happening. Now, we didn't weld doors, but we surrounded them with a lot of police. And the media said, this is going to be five days and then we'll reevaluate it. Five days later, we didn't hear anything. They're still there. Jesus. They're still there. They're locked in their homes, literally at the point of a gun. And that is not the function of government. That is not the function yeah. of the police. That is terrorism. It's, it's at least a hostage situation, right? It's just yeah. nuts. And I've never seen anything like it. This is literally, I can walk 30 minutes to, to one of those buildings, right? This is like in my neighborhood. So yeah, I, I mean, I've just, when you say, you know, you consent to one thing and you get another, I mean, I feel like I've been under the biggest bait and switch of history. It's amazing. Well, but here's, so in that you, you bring up a very great point and a great issue that's hilarious. And so, uh, I did the 90 days, right? Like I, I did it. I stayed home. I, I had like one or two people come over. Wasn't too big a deal. And, uh, when it got tested and I have antibodies. Oh, right. So you must have had it. Ache. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, so like me, I'm like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to wear a mask. Like I will wear a mask, but I don't want to. And like, they're even like, you have antibodies. There's no reason. Like there's like literally you're not going to infect someone, right? And you're not going to get reinfected. But yet everybody on my timeline is like, you're out at the bar. Why are you out at the bar? Why is that any of your fucking business? You know, oh, well, you're you're out at karaoke. Why are you out at karaoke? Because I did my fucking time. Okay. <laughs> like I I took all the vitamin D I could take. I took all the colloidal silver. I went to the goddamn gym when I could. And like I still got it. And the great thing was I quarantined myself and and guess what? I'm 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 okay. Now, granted, I'm, I'm, I mean, like, I say lucky, right? We don't know the stats. We, we don't right now. And so for right now, I will say that I am fortunate to have gotten through, you know what I'm saying? And have those antibodies. Um, but my thing is, if I already had it and I can't affect anybody, why the fuck can't I do whatever I want? Like, so for example, the place that I work at, right? I was like, uh, I was really gung-ho to go back to the office in, uh, just a few days ago. They were like, hey, you can't come back. And I was like, why? And they were like, well, got to have new protocols. I was like, cool. I already had it. I have antibodies. I have the I have the doctor's thing. Like, I have a doctor's note uh, that says, like, I'm I'm of no threat to anyone. Right. So can I stop staying home? They're like, unfortunately, your governor said as an executive order, we can't. I'm like, an executive order is not a law. Like, that's that's where I get like angsty. Right. And I get angsty because it's like there was no reason during the 90 days for me to get tested. Right. If I got tested, and I didn't have it. Then I got anxiety about it. You know, oh God, what if I get it? Um, you know, and that was back when it was like kind of like, you know, not new news. And then like we, we get free and I go and I'm like, oh, shit, I, I don't know when I had it. Right. It could have been, you know, it could have been February. Um, there was something going around my work that literally had people in bed for a week yeah. and I was in bed for a week. And so like it could have it could have been anything. Right. And so but. You know, if I had gotten tested before the lockdown and had antibodies, like I, I wouldn't have had to go to lockdown. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, absolutely. So like, yeah. it, it's one of those weird things for me because we all assume, and especially here, um, and, and actually just to kind of wrap up what you were saying about Catholicism, Michigan's a very Catholic state. Yes. And so, um, you know, Everyone just assumes, well, you're, you, could, you could get sick. And then if you're sick for seven days and you don't know you're going to contain, you're going to get people contagious. Okay, well, I already had it. 
oh god you already have okay okay i'm gonna get away from you what you're fine oh my god like i could bleed on you and you'd be fine like i don't well i mean i don't have anything that could be transfused by blood just so we're cool with that but like you'd be fine like you're not like like you are more of risk at anyone else than me i'm literally the safest person you could hang out with right now yeah yeah i mean they don't know the characteristics <laughs> of the virus and how long the antibodies last and they that, you know, that's that's one of the parts of the narrative that I'm extremely concerned about because they're saying, yeah. once you get this, well, it might only last a few months with the antibodies and then you might be able to catch it again and you might get it every flu season. So we might have to cool. do this every year and it might take roughly a year to do it. So, you know, do the math. We're locked down permanently pretty much for the rest of uh, civilization. And, you know, that, that part of the narrative really bothers me because um, that's not really how I understand most viruses work that, you know, the antibodies only work for a few months. Maybe there have been some like that, but I thought, you know, you get it, you're immune and you can go on with your life. And I think the reason that they're underscoring this, you may not stay immune for long is because there's this sort of, um, this vaccine agenda. There's this seems to be this really, really big push for getting the vaccine. And people are like, um, you know, conspiracy theorists, and let me just just indulge me in a little bit of yeah. conspiracy theory for a second. People are saying, oh, yeah, once you get the vaccine, you know, um, that's when they're going to kill you. You know, they're going to wipe out the population and it's, it's all about eugenics and so on. And I'm like, nonsense, that doesn't make sense because if they wanted to kill people, they would have just released a virus that killed people. Like, let's do it in one step instead of 15 steps. You know, like, why would you do that? It's not about that. But there is an argument to be said that the digital vaccine ID that they've been banding about could be the end game of the whole thing. And if you want to take the narrative as not making sense and on the side of this is a deliberate narrative, so why is it being done? That um, digital ID, which has been the cornerstone of the New World Order agenda of all the conspiracy theories are through you know, multiple generations, um, that could be the end game of the whole thing, right? And it does make everything make sense if you watch it through that lens. Have you have you considered that? Have you seen uh, you know the the ID twenty twenty and all that kind of stuff? I have, but I mean, I, I I subscribe to something I think a little bit a little bit easier to see. Um, and what I mean by that is very simple. Um, you know, I what you are seeing right now, at least in my opinion, is a push towards globalism. Absolutely, yeah. Think about it like this. In the 1950s, do you think that America would be doing what it's doing right now? No. They'd be, they'd literally be armed and be like, yeah, okay, cool. I'm going to sit on my porch. And then they'd be like, all right, well, but get inside. Be like, make me. Yeah. Again, not, not really a tinfoil conspiracy hat, um, more of just kind of taking in what I'm seeing. Mm. Right. And, and what I'm seeing is a dociling of people. Um, I am seeing, you know, this move towards everyone is the same, but they're not like everyone can be. I'll choose my words again wisely. In America, everyone can be masculine and feminine, right? And they really want to push for this feminine agenda towards men and this masculine agenda towards women. And like, I don't care either way. Be the be whoever the fuck you want to be at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, be the person that like you can look at in the mirror and be like, that's me. Um, but they they've pushed this narrative throughout my whole life that toxic masculinity is a thing. And, and I, I believe that there are shades of it, but they've tried to make men feel bad for being men. 
Mm. Um, and they have tried to empower others to look as if like they're, they're better than, and it's like, okay, cool. Like you're going to do what you're going to do. But my issue stems from, you are now seeing this charge being led of like, it's all fear. And so when I see that, I go, okay, well, when was the last time that, you know, we used fear to kind of push people in a certain way? Okay. Well, nine 11 in America. Yep. Um, you know, and so it's like, okay, cool. Well, this isn't really a 9-11 because this is, you know, a virus. It's very different. But it's like, well, but you're seeing the same, like, you're seeing the same envelope get pressed. In 9-11, it was, hey, hey, do you really need to, like, have your uh, your emails and your uh, your your phone records really be private? Like, you're not doing anything, right? Right? Yeah, look, right? they didn't ask, though. That, that, that was like, um, you know, the Snowden stuff came out and then they went, yeah, we're doing that, but it was because of 9-11. You guys are okay with it, aren't you? Like, it wasn't, they weren't asking for permission. They asked uh, for forgiveness. <laughs> well, and that's what they did now, right? They, they veiled it as asking for permission, right? The president finally said, hey, listen, I shut down stuff from China. Like, what more do you want from me? You call me racist when I did it. And they're like, well, we want more. And he's like, all right, well, nobody's tested positive for Corona. Uh, can we get some people to test positive so I can do more? And then they were like, why don't you shut down the U.S.? And he's like, I don't have that power. I don't, right? This is a health thing, which goes to the state. And so the state governors kind of moved in and they were like, well, gee golly, if you just, if you could just do this for us. And then, like I told you, it was awesome. Gotcha. Try leaving your home now. Like literally, we uh, we one of our buddies that we do films with. He was uh, he was seeing a, a woman at the time, and we were joking with him. Like you're gonna get the, you're gonna get corona. You're gonna get corona. And he was just like, honestly, like the cops aren't taking it seriously. If you want to go outside, go outside. And it's like, yeah, because at the end of the day, you telling me I have to stay at home, you shutting down my business, you threatening me with the cops, like that's some Gestapo shit. You know what I'm saying? Like that's some like secret police ass shit where it's like i pay you as the government to have my back and if you say awesome we can move everybody indoors awesome we can make everybody afraid just by doing these simple things then like what stops you from being like hey so we're gonna go ahead and uh we're gonna get with the globe we're gonna change the metric system because honestly guys you're stupid it's one of those things where it's like what stops them from saying well you see the uh, standard american system actually is killing people every year and so since we're using it we need to move to the metric system so people will stop dying i don't understand how are people dying shut that man up (laughs) that's right it's 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 really interesting the way it's been portrayed because the the data itself has been to some extent i think obscured you know and and you do have the cdc and the world health organization publishing data and you've got uh the world economic forum publishing a lot of information and um there's a lot out there and this idea that this you know sort of this new world order agenda to have an i you know some kind of new currency that's linked to an id and all of that stuff you can call it conspiracy theory but if you do it all you're doing is discrediting information that's based on fact and out in the public Right. If you go to the World Economic Forum website right now, you can find a subsection called the Great Reset, and it literally just tells you exactly what they're going to do. Right. It literally just tells you it's right there. No one's reading it that I know, <laughs> except the people I send links to. But I, you know, I try not to push this stuff on people who have cognitive dissonance because you're really just causing them pain. And uh, it, you know, unless you think that there's actually they're curious and they're actually looking for the truth. There's no point in pushing yep. truth on people, right? But this website is there and you can read it. So if you want to know 
what is going to happen, you go to the World Economic Forum and you can see it, right? Now, all right. they don't say, oh, we're going to reduce the population or we're going to you know, make everyone dependent on a, a, a digital ID or we're going to, you know, they, they, it's not Dr. Evil, you know, like the world, yeah. as you said, I think before we started recording, there's shades of gray here. Can we just stop seeing things as black and white? But yep. the plan is very much like the crazy Alex Jones New World Order agenda. I mean, it's <laughs> got quite a lot of commonality and say what you will about Alex Jones, but he's been very consistent in his in his message, except when he veers off and says, you know, crazy stuff. But his core message yeah. has always been, you know, there's the globalists, they're pushing globalism. It's a new world order agenda. They want one currency, one religion, one language, and they want a global government. And, you know, I'm a data guy. I'm a data analyst by trade. So I just see trends and I go, well, there's no reason to think that trend wouldn't continue. So the trend towards globalism, like this is the perfect excuse that's, that's ever been presented. And not just that, it's been presented as the perfect excuse for a couple of generations in white papers and, and think tanks. And, you know, these global groups, they're not secretive. They, they publish papers. They, they tell you what they're talking about. Yeah, but that's and that's it's actually funny that you say that because, you know, a lot of people in America, uh, uh, sorry. A lot of people who believe in what America used to be, right? Mm. I, I like to exposit to people that I've never grown up in the United States of America. I grew up in the commercialized United States, and I don't think anybody in my generation fully understands what that means. And so- Well, being but, a good consumer, you mean? Well, yeah, but what I mean is like, um, you know, you like, we have the ability to literally own our land and do whatever the hell we want with it. We don't have to- we don't have to go get permits for things, right? Mm. You have the ability as an American to literally load up in your car as long as it is not registered in an SOS and you do not have a license, you have a passport and drive whatever speed limit you want to. And if a cop pulls you over and go, hey, real quick, like, was there anything that I was doing that was bad? And they go, oh, you're speeding. And you go, okay, well, was there anything as a traveler on your roads that I was doing that was bad? Because like as a traveler on your roads, like I don't, I don't consent to the commercialized 70 mile an hour that you have. So as I put in someone's health in danger and like people don't know that and because they don't know they have that right, they immediately get indoctrinated into, as you said, like, OK, well, I am, you know, Keith last name and like this is my identity and all of the loans go to this identity. And obviously I have to go to the secretary of state and get my driver's license. And obviously I have to get insurance to show that and like all of these other things. And you make this identity for yourself that isn't actually you. No. And so it's, it's a it corporate, causes you um, to have more laws. It's a corporate person. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And because you're a corporate person, right? Uh, when the governor comes out and says, hey, uh, go home or uh, we'll make you go home. Well, shit. I agreed to uh, your mandates, didn't I? Mm. Fuck. That's the thing. And, uh, you know, I've looked into that. That's, there's a, a lot of, um, you know, sort of there's a whole movement around maritime admiralty law. I don't know if you've heard of it put that way, but. Yep. Um, it's this idea that we took the laws that were governing the oceans and, and trade back then, mm -hmm. and all of that's sort of been incorporated into the legal process on land. So, you know, you've got a dock that you go into and all the terminology for law is, is very, you know, um, ocean based. Then they go into the, the idea that, well, okay, you, you have a birth certificate. Well, a birth is when a, a ship comes in from the ocean to go on land. So yep. when you're born, you're birthed. And you create, uh, you know, the the permission to come on land, basically. Um, and when you actually sign your, when your parents sign your birth certificate, 
you're creating that corporate entity and everything else hangs off that. That's why it's the ultimate ID for everything else. Correct. But if, if, I, if I decide to resist the police, I don't think it matters that I had a birth certificate or not. I'm, I'm a, a free person. I'm, you know, uh, I'm my, my own entity. <laughs> and I have, as far as I'm concerned, I have natural rights and they're the ones that really govern me. So whatever the government imposes, it's voluntary. That's the problem, though. Yeah. Is so when you incorporate, when you corporatize yourself, you give up some of those natural rights. That's what a lot of people here don't see. Yeah, you give them up, but but when you decide to put your foot down and stand up, then it doesn't matter what you gave up. It was all invalid anyway. You know, they don't actually have consent; they manufacture consent, right? So they, they trick you into it. So in in my opinion, yeah, it's all invalid anyway. If you get tricked into signing a contract, it doesn't stand up in court. Yeah. No, and that's and, and that's and and yeah, it's or it's under duress, you know, and yeah. so that's but that's where you're seeing basically where a lot of people are seeing in America is like this is a great example of why globalism fails, uh, and I keep hearing that, and I'm okay with that, you know what I'm saying? Because it's like, mm. yeah, like you should have your own agricultural construction, you should have your own PPE that's being made, like a hundred percent. Like if if we were getting all of our PPE from China and China had the COVID first, right? Like, great, we just fucked ourselves. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I see things like that. And I also see, uh, you know, I, I made a post uh, a while back and I know somebody responded. It was a joke, but they were like, man, I bet people are hoping you get COVID. And in my head, I was like, I already Ooh. have antibodies. Right. Like, yeah. like, and he was he was he was saying it like, careful what you post, man, because people are probably throwing some bad juju at you. And it's like, let them. Yeah. I don't care because at the end of the day. Like one, if I already have antibodies, it doesn't fucking matter. And two, um, it's none of your fucking business. You know, like if I want to stand up for what I believe in and I want to talk about what I believe in. And you know what? If you don't want to see that, don't see it. You know what I'm saying? Unsubscribe. Don't don't be my friend. Like I'm no one's keeping you into my echo chamber. Right. Yeah. Or your echo chamber. If at any time I'm like, wow, I do not like the memes that you're sharing. I'll literally just be like, just unfollow for like three weeks and I'm sure they'll they'll get better. I feel like. All of these things, you know, you said it might lead to a great awakening. I'm not sure if there's an awakening happening. People have been talking about it for a while. But mm -hmm. what do you see the future looking like if it goes down that path of the awakening? I mean, I guess I can only speak for America, you know, um, and that's kind of the crappy part of it. I would see the American population kind of taking back its freedom. You know, I, I think that right now they blanket what we're seeing against black lives matters as a tyrannical government and like there it can be argued so like i'm not going to sit here and argue against it but i would argue that you've had a tyrannical government for a good majority of the time i've been alive and they've been tyrannical via consumerism via pushing you to buy and get into debt as we talked about and so i'd like to see people you know instead be like hey listen like we we have become dopa fiends at this point and we have become addicted to chasing everything and right now what we need to do is understand that like all of that glitter and gold isn't going to do shit for us. All of the social media dopamine hits and the fact that we want to be a Kardashian won't do anything because we won't be happy. It's just more money for us to be like, what the fuck do I do now? And granted, that doesn't happen overnight, right? That takes a few people to be like, all right, cool. Here's $500,000. Do you feel better? Well, I'm out of debt. Awesome. Now what do you do? I guess I get in more debt. Nope, that wasn't the answer. Nope, there you go. There's <laughs> yeah. the sadness. And so... It takes those few people to be like, hey, you're empathetic of everybody who's suffering. Be, and it's weird, I get it, it's a very weird thing to think about, 
but be empathetic towards the people that succeeded because here's the thing they're not any happier than you are mm. right i look at like the guy who did minecraft right he made like built like millions of dollars and he like they did an interview like six months afterwards and he's like yeah i have like a really good home but i have no friends and like i don't know what to do with all this money and i'm bored as shit but the capitalist system that we've been living under it relies on creating an environment that makes people feel empty and wanting to fill the emptiness with consumerism it has to do that so if if people succumb to that conditioning and generally people do succumb to conditioning because it gets more and more sophisticated over time then how will we ever get out of that consumerist mindset i mean i'll be honest with you i mean it's uh it's an ouroboros it eats itself yeah to be real there's a deeper conversation that could be had um it's a, probably another time well um i'll tell you what good because Honestly, this has exceeded all my expectations, this conversation <laughs> so far. So maybe maybe it's better because I know you've got to go. I know you're on a time yeah. crunch. So um, maybe if we just wrap it up and we can talk about uh, a part two or something later yeah, because I'm there's down. a lot of that stuff that I would love to get into. And maybe if you've you know, got time at some point, we can talk about a part two. I won't promise anything on, on <laughs> air, so to speak, but I really appreciate your time and your thoughts. And uh, I'd love to do it again at some point if you... Uh, if you have the have the time again 100 percent, harv yeah i'd love to and thank you awesome thanks again and uh yeah i'll uh, let you know when this uh hits the airwaves <laughs>